can live by for successful living in you and how to please you, how to have uh, the fullness of what you have promised us. We, we know that you haven't left us without help, comfort, guidance, security, all that we need. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So every time we get together, I try to uh, share on a principle of something having to do with prayer, warfare, success in prayer, uh, something like that. So today I thought we'd talk about the fact that this faith works by love. This faith works by love. Natural man's faith, of course, works by uh, the natural realm. You know, there's no real component, uh, spiritual component that's necessary for natural faith. You just look at what you look at. For instance, if you... Look at a chair and it looks pretty sturdy. You believe it will hold you up. And uh, you have confidence that that chair will hold you up. That's natural faith. It doesn't take any specific supernatural force to make it effective. But the faith of God only works by love. Amen. It only works by love. So we're going to talk about the love walk and how to walk in the spirit. uh, How to uh, really make your faith effective and how to protect your faith. I don't think people really value sometimes some of the deposit that God has placed in us enough to understand it needs protection. Just like when you were children, your parents love you. Uh, they they brought you into this world uh, with expectations, uh, with joy in their hearts and and uh, and plans for your life. And so when they give you admonishments. It's for your protection. If they tell you not to play with certain things like, you know, don't touch the matches, don't put your hand on the hot stove, etc., etc., it's so that you will, your life will be protected because they value you. It's the same thing with God. He's deposited his, his very spirit within us, and that spirit needs a certain atmosphere so it can prosper and flourish and so that it can, um, uh, it can and help your life. You know, your life will prosper as a result of how you walk in the Spirit and how you walk with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I think Christians don't put enough value on what has been placed on the inside of them to make sure that they, uh, you know, keep the right company. I'm talking about keeping the right healthy spiritual atmosphere around you. Uh, God's given us guidelines, uh, you know, for one thing, he says, don't uh, let the sun go down on your anger. You know, don't harbor anger and nurse it and let it fester on the inside of you. Uh, I used to tell people, I said, well, I I learned when I was married that husbands and wives will disagree about things. And when I got saved, you know, I decided that I was going to obey the word. And so where I would have gone to bed angry, you know, just to see how long it would keep my husband up. Hey! (laughs) No, that was the old me. All right. She's dead. She's gone. She don't live no more. But <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You know how girls can work their witchcraft a little bit, you know, just to see just to see who it's going to work on. But anyway, I decided I was going to obey the word. 
And if I was too proud to apologize, I at least stuck my foot over it. You know that imaginary line that runs down the middle of the bed that you don't cross when you're mad? I stuck my foot over on that side of the line until I learned how to humble myself and make sure I made peace with my husband. And, and that was an important thing for me. Because I was one of those people, if I got angry, I would get offended and I would just shut down and not want to talk, not want to say anything. God's taught me better. You know, he's taught me to trust him and trust the Holy Spirit and trust his way of doing things. And and so I was able to mature out of that and not be so easily offended. Amen. The Bible says love is not touchy. That means easily offended. You know, some people walk around with a chip on their shoulder. You know, it's like this. And they keep getting next to people. I wish he'd bump it off. I wish he'd knock it You know what I'm saying? Just carry it around for somebody to knock it off so that they can get it on. But I learned how to put my chips away, you know, and how to please God and walk with God. And it really, for me, it was about pleasing God. I'd see things in the Bible and i say, oh boy, I got to do that, you know. Uh, I got to make sure I'm up on that, up to speed on those things. These are basic things that keep our relationship with God strong. When your relationship with him is strong and you please God, it's easy to believe. You understand? It's e- faith is easy when you uh, obey the laws of God. When you obey the rules, it's easy to believe God for great things. It gets to be a strain when you decide that you want to cut corners. You know, you don't want to forgive that person or you make up your mind you're not going to like them. You know, and you're not going to be kind to them or you short-tempered with people or, you know, that kind of thing. You, we've got to get over that, folks. If there's any of that left in us, we We've got to deal with that and get that nailed to the cross so that we can uh, walk with God and have fellowship with him. And then the rest is easy after that. It's so easy after that, you know. So in Genesis 5, we see our scripture that I wanted to show you. Uh, Genesis 5, 24. Is starting to give the genealogy of the uh, families uh, since um, Noah. And we get to Enoch. It says in verse 21, he lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. So he was just getting started when most of us is finishing. You got me? And it says, and Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah 300 years. And he had sons and daughters. And the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So he walked with God to the degree that one day he and God were in such harmony, he forgot to go home. Huh? He forgot to stay on planet Earth. He forgot, and he was so caught up in agreement with God that he was able to be translated over because there was such a close connection between him and God. And I want that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to get escaped from here or, you know, anything like that. But I want that close walk with God. And so it says he he walked with God for 300 years. 
And we only get about 70 plus, you know, one close between 70 and 120 according to the word. So if he did it for 300 years, I think we can make it. Huh? I think we can make it for the duration of time that we are here. So what does it mean to walk with God? Amos 3.3 3 says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? Walking with God means you agree with him, not the other way around. You humble yourself to him. You submit your ways to him. You agree with God in all things. <clears throat> the order is seek, find, and obey. Once you seek God and find him, you must set it, set it in your heart to obey God in everything that he says to do. Bow down and worship him. Always be respectful and worshipful toward the Lord. There are some things that we need to keep in mind as far as reverence for God is concerned. Because the Holy Spirit dwells within us, that doesn't make him a casual friend. You know, I mean, I know we we all say little pet things sometimes, but there has to still be that reverence for God because he is God. You don't ever want to try and bring him down to your level or try and humanize him or try to in some way paint a face on him that's not scriptural. God is God. You got me? Uh, he created the whole universe. Uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't anymore get familiar or, or uh, dehumanize him or, or bring him down than you, you would your own parent. And sometimes we do, we want to cut corners. We want to get some kind of little pet thing going on that makes us stand out from other people. You know, oh, you, you have to treat God like that. But, you know, me and God, we, you know, don't ever get like that, okay? Just be reverential, be thankful, uh, be thankful and understand what God's done for us and what he continually wants to do for us. Uh, the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avails much part of righteousness right standing with god means right understanding of your position underneath him you got me uh, he, he we are subject to him and not the reverse there's nothing wrong with treating God and his house and his people with reverence and respect you got me I know we have our conferences you know we have all kinds of people come in and and uh, you know we try to be respectful to them without letting them tear up the meeting you know what I'm saying uh, but if somebody comes and says they're a minister we treat them with a high level of respect and you know they may not have a ministry at that point or they just may say it to, to get somebody to pay attention to them you get people in all kinds of ranges but far be it from me to disrespect that person because they don't carry themselves the way I think a minister ought to carry themselves or you know what I'm saying uh, many times you'll go places I've been places where if your ministry isn't large enough or if they don't see you tithing to them or something you know you're just totally disregarded it's like you're not even there at the meeting you understand me and so I've made it a point not to treat people that way, not to treat the gifts of God that way. And so we have to even 
to God's servants, we have to show a high level of respect. Uh, you don't put a, a man or woman of God down on a level that we're to honor them because of what where God's positioned them in the earth and and what what he's called them to do. You know, you honor the call. You don't necessarily honor what they're doing. You don't know what kind of job they're doing. If they're doing a good job, bad job, they got a big church, a little church, we have to honor all the same. And so that's part really of reverencing God and respecting God and walking with him. When you walk in agreement with God, you respect him, you respect people, you respect his ministers, you respect those in authority, it's respect all the way down the line. So if, you, if you're if you going to do the love walk and you're going to walk in the spirit, you must agree with God in all things. And part of that is agreeing with, with leadership. I stress that because I think it's a major problem with, with why people don't come to church. There's very low regard for authority, period, and even lower regard sometimes for, for ministry authority. Uh, you know, people want to uh, accuse you of, of uh, controlling them and having a cult and all this kind of stuff. You know, the devil's always throwing accusation at God's people. But we know better, don't we? We know how to, to recognize those who labor among us uh, for the gospel and so we we have to always keep that level of respect and that level of of agreement with God in those things we we are we are commanded to humble ourselves to God to live a humble life submitted to God who is the head of all principality and power so he's in charge of everything once you submit to the head of all things then all things are yours you got me you can you can expect God to uh, release things to into your life as you request them as you desire them as your faith works uh, to bring those into your life God expects us to be clean through and through you know, no dark places, no places, no rooms that we shut that he can't invade if he wants to. You know, I I see parents nowadays have gotten so uh, lax in their parenting. You know, parents will let the kid have a bedroom and the kid locks them out and they're scared to go in there. You know, I'm seriously, hear people like that. They let, they let them have sleepovers. You know, with anybody in there. You understand what I'm saying? So the lines of authority are so blurred anymore that when you get people coming out of that type of world into the church, they have to be taught basics about respect and authority and all those kinds of things. And it's very hard on some people sometimes to be accountable in a church setting so that the the overseers in the church can help your life. You know, when I ask you, if you need prayer for something, I'm not trying to get in your business. It's my business to help you take care of your business. You understand me? You know, and, and, and this touchiness that people get into, like, you know, they don't want to tell nobody nothing and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, it's nonsense. Hey, it's nonsense. And so you need to be able there. I see people laboring with problems for years, and I think, man, if they would just... And get this over with, you know. And maybe that's from being a nurse. <laughs> but it's like, just 
please, just let me give you the shot. Can we stop all this? You know, put some ice on it and get it. No, just take the shot. You know, you get the shot before you even know what's happened. And I think that's true with, with people in the church. They want you to, it always has to be a certain way. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I hear what you're saying, but, uh, you know, if you would say it to me like, then you won't do it. Huh? You think I'm playing with you. Huh? It's true. We're too touchy. And we put the wrong things forward. You know, when I try and get people to use their faith is so their life can improve. You understand what I'm saying? I go home and sleep at night. Can you do the same thing? Amen. I'm trying to get you to be able to do the same thing. Let's just take the shot, get this over with, and get on with your life. And quit playing around with that devil. Amen. Let me have that devil you got there. Take him away from you so you can go on and live. Walking with God means accepting his word as what you hold on to, as what you cling to. You cling to God's word, not to your own thoughts, your own uh, justification of where you're at in your life. You cling to God's word. So when you walk in the spirit and you walk in love, you love God's word. That's what David said. He said, oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation day and night. And that's what God wants. He wants us uh, his word to be our meditation day and night and so that we can prove how much that word can do for us. You'll never know what that word can do unless you grab hold of it with everything that's in you with all your might. When I first came to the Lord, my husband had asked me for a divorce. I wasn't saved then. And I was, and I thought, I kept thinking to myself, I said, you know what? There's something wrong here. I said, I should be able to talk to him and work this out. You know, people who get married, that's the way you're supposed to think. You understand me? You don't think divorce. If you're married, you think we work this out. And I kept thinking that to myself, and he kept saying he wanted out. Well, he had been divorced before. And let me give you a hint, people. If you've never been married, don't get somebody that's divorced. Unless you're real strong. Because they come with their own set of problems, their own set of baggage. And many of them have received divorce as their friend and not an enemy. So if you marry somebody who is a friend to divorce, it's going to come back again as an escape for them when, when the going gets tough. See, that's part of their baggage. Well, you'll get it next week sometime. But when you're married, you don't think divorce. You think we work this out. And I kept wondering, and, and, and part of, of mental breakdown is wondering. And I kept wondering, how, why, why, why doesn't he want to work with Is he really serious and all this? And eventually I wound up in the mental hospital. But God, amen, but God <clears throat> came to my rescue and I found out that meditation on God's word was valuable and important. When I started to 
look in my Bible and I would find, you know, answers. Remember the little promise book, say, will you get as a new believer? They have promises in there. And I would read those and I said, oh, I wish I could. I wish that would happen. I wish I could believe that. I didn't know anything about faith. I didn't know that that word would, would you know, get grafted in if you, if you really accepted it and fought your mind from trying to get rid of it, you know. And so I started to meditate just just out of wanting to feel better. I started to meditate on the word continually. I kept my Bible. I had a big purse and I had a big Bible and I kept my big Bible in my big purse and I took it everywhere with me. And so God began to heal me. But I was healed through the renewing of my mind because I I was mentally ill. I had to have something to renew my mind. And I found out that that's how you please God. See, what I did was pleasing to God. He saw me going after his word continually, and that pleased him. And so I began to walk with God just out of sheer necessity to have comfort in my life. And then pretty soon I found that was the way to live. That was the way to live. And I was able, God was able to heal me supernaturally through the word. That's why you can't tell me you're sick and you can't get healed through the word. I know you can. See, I've I've done it already. So you can't tell me it won't work for you because I know it will work on anything. I've seen it over 25 years. I've seen it work on cancer. I've seen it work long distance on cancer where we couldn't pray for people. We interceded for people and sent them prayer cloths and those tumors shrunk. God cured those people. And so I know that this this process works, and I know that it keeps God in close proximity to you. What you meditate on is the key to keeping God in close proximity to you and keeping your heart pure and cleansed. And so I remember one day reading the scripture that says that uh, uh, Jesus said, These I put in, in the Father's hands, and no man can pluck them out. And so I looked at that scripture. I said, oh, that's the answer for my marriage. I said, God, I put my marriage in your hands and no man can pluck it out. From that day forward, I, you know how I call these hyper grace deposits in your life? Something you needed so bad, God helps you extra, extra to believe that. You got me? Like Jesus, when he would go to people and they didn't have faith to be healed, he kept working with them, working with them. Well, he did that with me with my marriage because it was so important to me. And so that from that day forward, I put it in his hands. Now, there have been times when I want to take it out. Bad girl. Naughty girl. Bad girl. You understand what I'm saying? It was off limits to me to mess it up. And I thank God I was married almost 30 years to the same man. Amen. God saved him. He started coming to meetings, worshiping God, the whole business. Why? Because I reached out to God and focused on his word 100%. Meditating, walking with God, meditating on his word, having the same mind, the same heart as God. You've got to love people like God loves people. You can't have likes and dislikes. You can't have people that you're short with and you're impatient with and you touchy. You can't have that. You can't have that. 
That's why many times we're always looking for something to improve our faith because we don't work with the faith we got the right way. This faith works by love, y'all. You can't dislike anybody. You can't hold grudges. I don't care what you think people do to you. It's all your imagination anyway. All this imaginary stuff. Nobody's done anything to you. It's just you let the devil play around in your head. So when it says God took Enoch, it implies a transformation had taken place in Enoch, not God. You got me? God didn't just decide he needed a pal and grab that man. That man had to pursue God. God was going somewhere. Enoch had to learn how to follow Amen. And catch up and walk with him. And so a transformation had taken place in Enoch and not God. God is holy and he never compromises. Never. He never changes. He doesn't have to because he's right all the time. You got me? Everything else changes to meet his standards. And so God will make those changes in us that are, are necessary so that we can have total fellowship, total agreement, and our faith will work. And we can get the job done that he wants us to do. So we must change or be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It seems that Enoch, the goal that God had for Enoch's total existence was this transformation. Because it doesn't give a a history of Enoch doing much else but walking with God. So I believe when we walk in the spirit and walk with God, we please God. Now he's left ministry for us to do, the ministry of reconciliation. But don't you know that as you forgive people and as you uh, decide to share Christ with them, so forth and so on, that you are changed and the world is changed. That, that transformation in you begins to just flow out of you. The Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He just sheds his love out of us if we learn to walk with God and let it flow. So Romans 8 tells us not to be conformed to this world. Conformists are are a dime a dozen. There's a lot of people to conform, that conform to the world. We see them all the time. These reality shows they have on now, just nothing but a bunch of compromisers. You know, I I was told by someone who who knows about these things that the producers of the reality shows uh, ask them. If they can interview people that are are easily angered, who want to stir up trouble on these shows. So they're scripted, folks. These people, you can't tell me these people scream and holler at each other and yank each other, weave out and all this old crazy stuff and slap each other's man. That's not how people live. You understand me? But, But Satan is trying to get that as the new standard for living for people. So that when we see, you know, you see all these little YouTube videos of young girls beating up on each other, wonder where they get that idea from. You understand me? And and this is not good. It's not good. All this stuff needs to be prayed off television because it gets, it shows people in a more depraved light than they really do live. You know, turn them off and go watch the Duggars. I know you ain't interested in heaven. You don't want to have 19 babies. You can stop at three. 
But you know, watch somebody who knows who, who is raising their kids to be dignified human beings. Treating each other with respect and each other with dignity and looking for somebody, a quality somebody to marry, not to shack up with and go run off with. Jeez. I say that to say it is, it's, it's, it's exaggerated by the enemy to make it look bad and interesting to see how much junk he can get people to absorb and believe. And it devalues us in one another's eyes. You know, it really does. It devalues us in one another's eyes. <clears throat> Romans 8. <clears throat> where was I going? In a, uh, be not conformed. Like I said. Like I said. I didn't say Romans 8. I said Romans 12. Thank you. Romans 12. I got a 1 and a 2 down here. Romans 12. Thank you. <laughs> I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. You see how Paul pleads with people to do the right thing? You know, you, you just it's just so important that we understand who we are, what we're here for, how to conduct our lives. And he said, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is just reasonable Amen. under the circumstances. Under the circumstances of what his son did for you, this is real reasonable. You get to live. Hello? Amen. We get to live. He had to die in order for us to be free. So it's just reasonable. You don't have nothing else to do. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, I don't want to neglect my family. Please. They want you to stay in church a little longer. Be not, <laughs> it's good for everybody, <laughs> you and them. Be not conformed to this world. This world, why? It's temporary. It's going to pass away. Why would you conform to something that's not going to be here? God wants you to spend your time being transformed by something that's eternal. And he says, by the renewing of your mind, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We got too many people trying to prove stuff without being transformed. I'm going to say it again. We've got a lot of people, insecure people, a lot of people who have failed at many things in life. And then they get saved, and then they want to start proving how wonderful they are without the transformation. See, if you're transformed, you know you don't have to prove anything to anybody. You just walk it out every day. You just do your normal thing between you and God. You walk it out every day. You are proving to God his will and his word working through you. You're not proving to man anything. Our problem is we're too busy trying to get attention from people who are trying to get attention from somebody else that don't have a brain. Oh. Transformation is a conscious decision on our part to renounce the world and the love of it. And we have to submit to God's process of transformation and his kingdom laws. So walking with God means renouncing the world and the love of the things in the world. 
Amen. You're not interested in that anymore. You know, you may be blessed by some things. You, you're still a human being. You got eyes. You see things you like. You know, you enjoy doing certain activities, but you don't have to have them in your life. See, when you blow up and get mad at God about something, don't let it be about something that's going to pass away. Got me? Don't let it be about something temporal. He didn't bring this fast enough. Or I prayed to God for this, that, and the other, and I didn't get this, and I didn't get that. Don't let it be about that. You got me? So we have to submit to his process of transformation and his kingdom laws. We're to seek first to please God and learn to do the laws of God on a continual basis. Make it a habit to forgive instantly. Make it a habit to go the extra mile with people. Make it a habit to reach out to people in your neighborhood that maybe don't have something or can't do things for themselves. Make it a habit of doing that. Don't make it a drop in every now and then and you brag about it for three years. Let's let's learn how to incorporate these things into our regular lives. And then you walk with God. That's what Jesus did. The Bible says he went about doing good and healing. Doing good and bringing people out of darkness. Doing good and helping people to live better. That's what he did. When we seek God in his kingdom first, obey his laws, all things are added to our lives. And this takes discipline. And only a walk with God will provide the discipline we need. You can't discipline yourself. You got it? You can try and say, I'm going to do this, you know, like me with my, you know, I've lost probably a thousand pounds. Losing game, losing game. <laughs> so somebody said, she lost 50 pounds. I said, I lost about 3,000. I got her beat. You understand what I'm saying? You can't discipline yourself. You submit to God. Resist the devil. You got me? And then the discipline comes in your walk with God. So only a walk with God will provide the discipline we need. And we walk with him by cooperating with the spirit of Christ that dwells in us. Just cooperate with the Holy Spirit. When you get up in the morning, tell God good morning. Tell him you're ready to start your day. Lord, I thank you. I'm ready to start my day. Thank you. Start it out by reading the word. Get, get, in, get some scripture on the inside of you. It doesn't take that long, though I wish I didn't have to say that to people. You know, I wish I were talking to people who want to take as long as it takes, you know, or could take as long as it takes. I know if you call in late to work every day because you're reading the word, that's going to look funny. So you know what I'm saying. But let's get with it, okay? Let's, let's make an attempt at it. So when we yield to his spirit and obey the word, we have stepped into what we call God's grace. Amen? So then everything runs smooth for you. You can expect God to be there to obey. Open doors for you. You can expect God to be there to empower you. That nothing's going to stop you from being successful. Nothing's going to stop you from getting to the next place where you need to be. All of these things will work out to your good because you started your day acknowledging him. The Bible says if you acknowledge him in all your ways, he will direct your path. Because he's with you in these things. huh? 
Jesus is right there with you. The Holy Spirit is right there working with you uh, in everything that you do. And it's a wonderful thing. You never have to wonder why or wonder what happened or wonder what's wrong when God is there with you. You just abide in him and let let life flow the way it should. One of the things that, that you can benefit from through meditating on the word is having your own personal faith encouraged. And and I like that part of it especially because you you won't get to a, a a standstill, a stopping point in what you're doing in God. You just won't. Uh it's it's uh, it blesses me to see uh sometimes the younger people, the younger ones that I've seen born here in this ministry, now they're adults, it blesses me to see them using their faith to to accomplish things in life. It, it's really amazing. Sometimes I sit back and watch. I was talking to, this is an example, I was talking to little Howard today coming, and he's got, he's I don't know how many job applications, how many resumes, and he always sounds encouraged in his voice. Now I know he probably, the enemy will come and blah, blah. He ain't getting nothing. Who do you think he is? All that stuff. He does that to everybody. But he knows how to overcome it and keep going and keep expecting good things to happen. You see what I'm saying? That's what's important. It's not important what the enemy says to you and try to discourage you. But what's so important is that you keep going and that you overcome uh, these temporary, uh, you know, shutdowns in, in your faith. And so, you know, we can we can do that and we can keep going. Because God's mercy hovers over all of his works. See, he's merciful to all of us. And he will come to bat for you. He's with you in everything. You walk with God. If you get discouraged for a minute, you say, Lord, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sitting here thinking like a, a, a sinner again. Like I have no hope. Like I don't have a father. Like I'm an orphan. Forgive me. I'm just going to go back with you again. And we're going to walk this thing out and stay in encouraged in the Lord. Amen. This has to be a real experience to you. You know what I'm saying? You have to experience. You can't just give yourself a pep talk and say you encourage yourself in the Lord and then go back being discouraged and depressed. This transformation in your mind is is a process that will allow you, when trouble comes, the first thought that pops in your head is the Word of God. Your scripture has to pop up there and, and help you to get through and you grab onto that it's not like well, I don't like that scripture, Holy Spirit. Give me another one. You know, you grab that first one and you learn how to walk on with God. That's walking with God. You're walking in the mind of God. You're sharing his thoughts. You're you're grabbing on to what the Spirit of God is ministering to you to help your mind to stay stable and encouraged. Because God does not want you to give up, quit, failures not on the table you got me he won't do you won't get choices like fail pass you don't you always pass with god if you don't pass you do a repeat you know you get a do-over but you're gonna pass you understand me because he has provided everything for us to be successful 
So all of this is provided for us through the blood of Jesus Christ, the price paid for us, that price of redemption and ransom that pulled us out of the devil's power. See, there's no such thing as as, uh, I can't do it or I'm just weak or, you know, when you find yourself think, just go slap yourself about 10 times, you know, and get yourself out of that. Quit whining. You understand what I'm saying? And man up and woman up and start being the man and woman that God's created you to be. You can do this. This ain't hard to do. You can do this. I look at people. I say, you know, you you got saved with with full mental faculties. You know what I'm saying? I got saved and I have fragments of my mind. It took me five years to get for God to totally heal me from a nervous breakdown. And I look at people who able bodied sound mind from day one they're born again, they find I'm just weak. <laughs> you know, that's what I wanna do. You understand what I'm saying? You're not weak. Bible says, let the weak say, I'm strong. If you feel weak, don't say you're weak. You're not allowed to say you're weak. You're only allowed to say you're strong. Cut it out. I love (laughs) y'all. But you know what I'm saying. You dig down in there where the Spirit of God resides. And you pull that up. Quit operating on this superficial level. You know, feeling sorry for yourself for what? You know, feel sorry for somebody. Feel sorry for the devil, man. He's he's got a short time. He's got a hot bed waiting for him. Amen. The blood of Christ has paid full price for us, though. We'll talk about that for a while. Many revivals, it's been documented. It appears that an appreciation for and preaching of the cross and the power of the blood to redeem, to set free, to heal, to save, to make whole. That exchange of that shed blood, a life for a life, is central to all revivals that have ever been. See, until that's preached in truth, you understand what I'm saying, and people really understand that there was a real sacrifice made for you, and there's an appreciation of the price paid by him. He was tortured and beaten in our place so that we could escape that end. Everything that, that, that would damage us and punish us for our sins was laid on him. And when that's when that is preached and when that's appreciated and when that's uh when people are encouraged to to honor God for for the sacrifice of his son then it's documented that revivals tend to break out around the preaching of the cross and especially emphasis on the shed blood of Jesus Christ it just is true and so when we have those outpourings of God's spirit uh, uh there there it's biblical that the outpouring would follow the cross because that's what happened in reality the book of acts the the life that the church had and the power that the church had came after calvary and so after the preaching of calvary oftentimes that power is is poured out on the people again it's poured out again you saw that with the teaching uh the preaching of the apostles in the book of acts they would start with the history of the jewish people and bring it all the way down to jesus and the power of god's 
5,000 saved and filled with the Holy Spirit at one time. And so this is powerful preaching because and it's, and it, it's something that gets left out. We leave it out all the time. Here we go, talking about the wealth transfer and all that nonsense without the shedding of blood. You understand what I'm saying? And so we can't bring people into benefits, salvation, or anything without emphasis on the sacrifice of Christ as payment for everything. The shed blood is the remission of sins. We have acceptance, but we have to accept and receive the shed blood. It has to be a personal decision for us. People, uh, there's some people that are go off on a deep end. Everybody's saved. Nobody's going to hell. You got to accept that for you personally. God can't deliver anything to your door that you don't sign for. And you don't want anybody delivering anything to you that you haven't allowed in. But when you allow the benefits of God to come into your life by believing in what he has done, believing that it's total payment, believing that it's sufficient, believing that the Father is pleased, you've got to believe that. And that's how you receive the benefits of what Christ has done for us. And you can walk with God. How do you receive it? You receive through your confession. Just like you receive everything else. When you go to apply a job, you ask for a job. You got that job with your mouth. Huh? You didn't get it with your credentials. You were just a, a name on a piece of paper until you went in there physically and, and expressed interest in that job. And so you got to show up there and you got to verbalize what it is that you desire. It's the same thing with, with anything we get from God. So, we get it through confession. We sometimes have to confess to God that we don't walk with him consistently. We get distracted. God, I was over here doing this. I'm sorry. I should have been checking with you on this. I, I just walked off and tried to do this on my own. Forgive me. You know, and come back into fellowship with God. I was thinking about uh, that movie, the Mel Gibson movie a few years back, The Passion of the Christ. And that was, you know, it's controversial, you know, and all. Even with church people. There are a lot of church people that were embarrassed they pick up the worldly see conforming to the world's attitude the world criticized the movie too graphic too brutal too much about violence Jesus was all about love he wasn't he I don't think Jesus himself would want us to sit and watch that why not it happened. Why you watch everything else? Huh? Why not? It happened. And what God told me was this. He says, My people are again minimizing the sacrifice. Huh? They just trample right over the sacrifice and go on to the goodies. They minimize the sacrifice. The sacrifice is everything, folks. That's what paid. And you got to understand the full total price that was paid for you, or you will never get the full benefit of what it paid for. When the Bible says that he bore stripes on his body, you were healed by those stripes. You know why many people in the body of Christ aren't healed? They don't acknowledge that. 
You want to skip over it because it's not pretty. And we just talk about love and we talk about this and we talk about, or songs, you know, getting sung to death. It's the truth. We want to sing a happy song and not acknowledge the fact that you should have been there receiving all that punishment. But he took it for you. So that you wouldn't have to go to hell. You don't have to be sick. You can live a life. He gave you a carefree life. He gave you a full life. He gave you a blessed life. A totally blessed life. Because he paid full price and allowed men to punish him severely. The Bible says he was marred more than any man. Mel Gibson was healed of alcoholism and chronic depression. He said by meditating on what Jesus had done for him. An actor, I won't go through the Catholic thing again, but you know, you know what I'm saying. It just, you know, the universal church preaching of the gospel is is not there. But, you know, there are people, that's not going to stop the people from reaching out to God, you know, in a real way. Many of you have background, Catholic background. You reached out to God in a real way and you found him. But he said he meditated on the sacrifice of Christ. And he said he was so moved by what was done for him that he said all of a sudden all the chains from from forever in his life just fell off of him. It was an automatic thing. He was transformed, folks. His mind was renewed to focus in on the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. And he began to exalt the Lord. And the, the Bible says if, if he's lifted up, he'll draw men to him. That's, that's, that was his way of paying back God for healing him said, I'm going to make a movie about this. I'm going to make sure everybody has an opportunity to see what I saw, what I experienced, and how I, I came up close and personal with the supreme sacrifice of God, of his son, for me in my place. And I accepted what he did, and I received it. And then that's how we receive these things, folks. We have to understand what was done. Other than that, you're just throwing phrases around. You know, people got all the finished work. And yeah, they even get on, you know, uh, Facebook and argue with people about, huh, you got to accept this. Why don't you accept it? You know, you can tell from the way they say it, they haven't accepted most of it themselves. It's a personal thing. It's not something you hammer over somebody's head and just force them to agree with you and think like you think. This is something that's ministered to people out of a heart of love. So this faith that we're in, this works by love. It doesn't work by trying to outdo somebody or try to boss somebody around with your revelation. It works by love. So he lovingly made this movie. We know he was persecuted for it. Family was threatened. Just because he was making a movie about something that had affected his life so greatly, he was so appreciative to God. It was a personal thing for him. It's a commitment he made to God, something he felt he had to do to show God how much he appreciated his healing, how much he appreciated what God had done for him. And as believers, we are to live the same way too. 
there are many things that we get involved in that, that are our appreciations of what God has done for us. When you work in the church, whatever your job is, if you're a preacher, musician, singer, whatever you do, if you work hospitality, if you help do the cleaning or the, or the lifting and that kind of stuff, you do it because you realize the sacrifice was so great. This is but a mere thing. Amen. When it gets to be a big thing, when the work you do, the little bit we do for God gets to be big to you and too much, uh, you get on your knees again. Fall down at the foot of the cross again. Amen. Ask the blood to flow and cleanse you again because you got derailed some kind of way. You know, you're doing nothing compared. You got me? I'm doing nothing compared. So we need to focus in on that sacrificial life of Christ, how he gave and he didn't hold back. He just committed everything into the Father's hands in total trust. And that's the life we are commanded by God to live. That's how you walk with God. And then you are not. You understand God will take you up into realms of heaven and realms of his thought and of his revelation that are wonderful realms. You begin to prophesy. You begin to get words of knowledge to help co-workers, help family workers, help anybody that needs help because it's there for you. God has ordained these things for us. This faith works by love. It works by loving God, appreciating the sacrifice. Meditate sometimes on what Jesus did for you. Everything that he suffered was for us. It was for you and for me to bring us whole as people and then to make a whole family, a body of Christ. That, that there's no division in the body. There's no animosity. There's no fighting, jealousy, and all that kind of, That stuff has been laid down at the cross and nailed to the cross so that we can live free of it, you know. I love living in a, a, a place where you can go up to somebody and hug them and you know that they love you back. You're not afraid to touch somebody. You're not afraid to say hi to somebody. You, you know you're accepted. You know that, that that's the way. And God has given us that. He's given us one another as a family of God. We can talk to each other about sacred things. We can talk to each other about important eternal things. And that's the kind of family he wants us to be. So on, so in focusing on the sacrificial aspect, it brings us closer to the Lord. Amen. We are brought nigh, the Bible says, by the blood of the cross. Anytime you plead the blood, anytime you reflect on the, the blood that was shed for you, anytime you're brought close to God, that's how you walk close to him. Father, I remember what Jesus did for me. I remember, you know, at one point I was, I, I had, you know, my testimony, I haven't given it, hadn't given it in a while. And I thought to myself, I said, you know what, God? I said, let's me and you talk about what you did for me. I just like remembering uh, where I came from. And, and I don't say it to, to you know, get you all to feel bad for me. You know, it's not about that. But it's it was everything to me. I know I was nothing. I couldn't I couldn't even think to get up and take a bath. You know, I, I I quit eating. I was suicidal. You know, I couldn't sit beside a window. I was scared to sit beside a window. I thought I was going to jump out of it, you know. And, and I had a lot of windows <laughs> in my apartment. You understand me? And so God put me back together again, piece by piece by piece, you see, and, and made me whole. Huh? 
And he'll do the same for all of us. He's made us all whole. One way or another, he's brought us back to what we are supposed to be. He's restored us, restored everything that the enemy has stolen from us. If it's not here, it's on the way. You got me? It's on the way. If you prayed for it and you're believing God, it's on the way. It's coming, you see. This is the answer for all human problems. You don't have to go any further than the cross to see the answer for the problem for everything that ails humanity. There's a ready cure at Calvary for everything that that uh, ails humanity. This is the answer for the homosexual. It's not more laws to to you know make us look stupid and make them look like winners, but it's what Jesus provided for them. And and we're going to walk with God. And we're going to know how to minister it to a, to people about it. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for allowing us into your throne room of grace, Lord. We found grace, mercy to help us in our time of need. We thank you, Lord, for the shed blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the stripes on his body that affords us healing. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us access to your presence always. We don't ever want to take it for granted, Lord. Don't ever want to take it for granted. We accept it in faith, but we appreciate it. We want you to know that today. We really appreciate your love and your kindness toward us. It's great toward us, Father. Your loving kindness is great toward us. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray with you before we have lunch.